Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com you're the mom the maid the keeper of the cookies you do it all and you look good doing it it's parenthood on a mother level here's your host denise hanitka Hey everybody, it's On A Mother Level. This is episode 28, and I guess this is really our first episode of a brand new year, so happy 2020, everybody. Um, I have Elizabeth Wattis in the studio with me. This episode is called Tough Love, and I'm calling it Tough Love because, first of all, we are going to talk a little Bachelor because Peter has some some very tough love decisions to make. And then I'm going to welcome our guest. So our guest is Greta Zood, and she is a sleep expert with My Baby Can Sleep. And she's really going to dish the tough love, okay? And I want to, um, okay. So her philosophies I really respect, and I think you're going to learn a lot from her. I also think, though, that her methods are a little controversial, and I think she knows it. Now, are they controversial because they're bad? No. But I do think they're controversial because it's going to make you change the way that you, that you approach your parenting. And after doing the interview with her, I walked out of this podcast studio and I thought to myself, that's it. I am in charge around here, and we're going to get some results with get these it, kids. Get it, girl. Tough love for you your kids. You know what I mean? I think it's tough love, not necessarily even for the kids. I think it's tough love for you as the mom. Hmm. You know, I think sometimes we can let ourselves get in the way of what we know is right and what we know is best for our kids. And so I think her tough love, what you're going to hear from my um, baby can sleep, is that it's time to get serious. And if you want your household to run a certain way, then the only person who can do that is you. And so... I think that's a pretty adequate tease, don't you think? You told me about this sleep expert when we were anchoring the 6.30, and I already had a laundry list of questions for you within like five minutes. And I'm not a parent, but (laughs) sleep is so interesting. Getting children to sleep, I've seen the Snapchat, the Instagram woes. So I think this is going to be a good one. Yeah, so she's going to come up here in just a minute. You and I are going to start the podcast, though, with our wins and fails for the week. And then after you hear Greta Zood, then you're going to hear our little recap of The Bachelor. Because we have some things we want to say, and I know not everybody watches The Bachelor, and you probably listen to 87 Bachelor podcasts podcasts as it is. So to make life easier for everyone, I am just going to put that part at the end. Hopefully these microphones aren't completely blown out. Let me just do a little. Okay. A little mic check, check, check. 
Okay, this just looking real, real loud and real red on my screen here. And for people who don't watch The Bachelor, yeah. I have caught so many people like my dad and my boyfriend who are like, oh, I'll never watch a bachelor. But then they just like happen to like mm -hmm. mosey in when I'm watching and they never well, leave. You know. So even if you're not a bachelor watcher, yeah. maybe just take a listen. You might get hooked. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> well, and it's still early in the season. So if you're intrigued, oh, so early. you can maybe um, jump on board. So right much now. time. Okay. Liz, let's start out with our wins and fails <gasps> from the week. Okay. okay. It's a brand new year. Mm -hmm. So how have you won this year already? Okay, so my win and fail that I just came up with, they kind of go together. <laughs> so can I tell them together? Yes, please do. Okay, I'll start with my win. And um, yeah, so I, one of the Ew, things that makes me, like what? a booger on this computer. <laughs> Dazzle, Matt Randazzo was the last one to use it for the record. Gross. It's probably a Matt Randazzo booger. Ugh. Ugh. Okay. Sick. That was your that fail was of the so week, right? Sick. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to give you my undivided attention. Okay. Now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so my win. Um, I have been wanting a pair of shoes for a while, and I'm not like I'm kind of new into the shoe game. You know that, okay. Denise. Okay. Like I have like two pairs of shoes I wear to work, and I, I switch <laughs> off. But like my <laughs> active wear working, yeah, my active wear working out shoes. I have been getting into that. So I actually. Pulled the trigger and I ordered a pair of Yeezys. Holy Moses! I what? know. And they are just, you cool enough to wear Yeezys? I don't know, but I wore them today <laughs> at the gym and I just felt magical. Like I couldn't really? focus on my workout. I just kept staring at my shoes. Okay, aren't Yeezys like three hundred dollars? Oh, I wish. Wait, it's, are it's they bad. more than that? Yeah, it's bad. Wow. But let me just say, okay. like. And my fail is going to really, like, bring me back down to earth. But, like, I've been wanting these for so long. Okay. I asked for money for Christmas to buy these. Okay. And um, they just came in, and I'm obsessed with them. But I'm not, like, I'm going to wear them. I'm going to use them. Okay. Like, my boyfriend, he has so many pairs of shoes, and he'll only wear them depending on the weather and where he's going. No. Like, I'm going to use these shoes. So my win is I got a pair of Yeezys. Okay. In the same breath, in the same day, I got a pair of Crocs. What? I know. How did this purchase come to be? Okay. Like, was it like I loaded my Zappos cart with Yeezys and Crocs? Right. Or did they like, come as like, like, a, like a buy one Yeezy, get two Crocs? I can tell you for a fact, I know they are not associated with each other at okay. all. The, the person delivering them were probably like, is this the right address? But yeah, so I got a pair of Yeezys and then I got a pair of Crocs. And so. Is it because you're going to start gardening? No. So they're actually like the worst. So. I make fun of my parents because my my parents wear Crocs. If you like Crocs, whatever, but, like, they have, like, the camo ones. And I'm like, why are you doing this? And so I I got a pair of slipper Crocs. So they're never going to leave the house. Okay, okay, that's important. That's but they important. have, like, this, like, fleecy stuff inside. And my house gets really cold and my feet get really cold. And they were on sale. And so I got a pair of Crocs. There's a lot of different kinds of slippers on the market today. Okay. Like, you don't need to get Crocs. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what got into me. But you wanted to fit in with the rest of the Wattis family. I don't know what it Are was. Are you feeling left out? You know, that it might be a deeper issue um, <laughs> that I got these Crocs. But honestly, I wore them last night, and, and they're great. So you feel way cool in one shoe mm -hmm. and way like a huge loser in another yes. shoe. Yes. But it's good. It's a okay. good balance, I think. Okay. And I didn't it keeps even plan it. Okay, Denise, your turn. <laughs> okay. So I need to up people on 
update people, rather, on the freeway frenzy fiasco. Have you been keeping up on this? That was a lot of alliteration. I know. Please break it down. So basically my big gift for Abram this year, excuse Mm. me, Santa's big gift for Abram this year was this 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 toy they called the Costco Airport. Oh yeah. And it was called the Costco Airport because it was one of those big play ramps with like the the car and the parking spaces and the, the and there was like an airport in the city and the, there was a whole everything thing. you would ever need. Yeah, he was in love with it. He was so super excited about it. Gave it to him for Christmas. We tried to set it up and it's missing one piece. Oh, I remember this. Okay. This is no it's good. missing one piece. It's missing like one like 408K7B piece. Does this piece like keep it from being assembled? Yes, because it's a piece of the road. So it like wouldn't connect otherwise. It was a specific curved piece of road. Oh man. So I can't remember where I left off on the last episode, but I contacted the company, you know, because you're not supposed to call the store. You're supposed to call the company first. The company was really difficult. Then I called Costco and they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, we're going to find you a piece don't you worry. We'll let you know when it comes Shout in. Shout out to Costco. I know. Seriously, I love Costco so much. So I go to Costco to pick up the new piece, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I have the original Freeway Frenzy all set up at home like a third of the way. So when I said, like, I just need this piece, they were like, don't worry about it. We'll get the new one in. We'll open it for you. You can take the piece home. Oh, wow. You don't have to uh, Yeah, because then the you would have, you've already freeway. assembled. So you would exactly. have had to take it out Put it back up. Ugh, what yeah. Okay. So I'm at Costco. They bring out the freeway in like on a big dolly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so I just need the one piece out of this. And the guy looks at me and he <gasps> goes, is your kid going to, is your kid going to enjoy this? And I was like, yeah, I think he will. And he goes, why don't you just take the whole thing? He offered me the whole freeway. What? <laughs> the whole freeway. Without yes. even giving back Without the other giving, one? I was like, do I need to bring back the old one? He was like, are you, is your child oh going to enjoy this freeway? And I said, God bless it. Yes, he will enjoy this double freeway. So I call my husband on the way out the door. I'm like, you won't believe this. Costco's giving us a new freeway frenzy. Oh, my god. So goodness. now we have two freeway frenzies. What a frenzy. I know. So now he's, like, thinking of ways that we can combine these freeways into a giant municipality. Can I mean, you do just, it? I have no idea because here's the fail. Oh, no. We get that freeway frenzy home. <gasps> Stop it. Oh, my God. I open up the box. It's... Missing the same part. Denise. (laughs) Denise. The exact same part is missing. Oh. The exact same part. Okay, please don't tell me you, like, built it all and then, like, realize it again No, we just decided to look for that part first. So this particular freeway frenzy has two of these particular curves. Wait, tell me what the piece is again. It's like a 401k7b or something. (laughs) I love it. Every time it's different, it cracks me up. So, so like the the kit itself is supposed to have two of these curves. Mm-hmm. So basically, I have two freeways and two curves. When I need two freeways and four curves. Oh my goodness. Yes. So what do you do? I don't know. So what we need to focus on right now is setting up the original freeway because but- it's a long process and like we've sat down to do it like three or four times and then like. Then we have to go do something or yeah. whatever because it's really like a complicated thing. And like in your mind, you're like, I know this isn't going to come together. I'll do it later. Yeah, like, there's we'll no motivating like get, yeah. thing to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And plus like Turner and I both want to do it together. So like he won't set it up without me and I won't set it up without him because we're just like, I don't know. We just find it cute I to set it up that. together. I love that. Anyway. <laughs> How 
is Abram so, doing with all of this? Well, he he so he's playing with it right now, even though it's a third put together. Yeah. And like so, like dinosaurs have taken over this freeway. I mean, he's got one like on a bit of a watchtower right now. Others are lined up in the parking spot. Oh so, my goodness. So really, it's for cars, but at the moment. The only frenzy is um, a Jurassic frenzy. Wow. So he's still having fun, but he doesn't even know what type of frenzy could be ensuing. That's if right. If this 501C3XYZ came in. That's right. He has no idea. Yeah. So, Ugh. anyway, the freeway frenzy frenzy continues. Oh. <laughs> I'm so upset about this. When you told, because you told me about this gift that you were going to get it yeah. for Abram, mm-hmm. and yeah. then I was so upset about the piece, and now again. Who, do you, who are you going to call? I don't know. Because really all that matters right now is that we have enough curves to make one frenzy. Curvy. Yeah. Love it. Curves are great. So we have a win and a fail all in one for me as well. There you go. Costco gave us a second frenzy. It is also a useless frenzy. Similar to Yeezys and Crocs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. I want to introduce Greta Zood from My Baby Can Sleep. Your sleep questions answered right after this. All right. Well, joining me now in the podcast studio is Greta Zood from My Baby Can Sleep. That is the most succinct way to put it because our goal is that you can say, My Baby Can Sleep. Exactly. And you guys make it happen. Yes. (laughs) So first of all, you guys are based in the Quad Cities, but you have a national reach. We do. We do. Actually, worldwide. We have people all over the world following us. That's and, fantastic. In our mm-hmm. And so this is you and your husband doing this. Yes. And so how in the world did you get started? Oh, boy. Um, well, long story, but we um, we have some friends that um, we went to church with, go still go to church with, and um, they were all into the parenting game, and, and uh, they invited us to be a part of their parenting class before we even had children. And... Um, so we, we weren't even pregnant at the time, but we just wanted to know about like, okay, we want to be prepared for this. Yeah. And so during the class, we actually found out they were pre- that we were pregnant and um, we were, we were super prepared. I mean, we had, we had the whole, you know, first 10 years of our child's life planned out <laughs> and uh, we did, you know, we did the courses and everything and, and we, we had the baby and, you know, I was, I was so confident. And then things started kind of falling apart and she was about four weeks old and just would not sleep anymore yeah. and just cried all the time. And I was up until one in the morning, like with her in the swing with the pacifier in her mouth. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So, um, we actually reached out to another mom that was really in the sleep game and she mentored us through that. And, uh, and so after that, I, I started researching more and, and learning a lot. And, um, and so, I, I started teaching other people how to do the same thing. Okay. So uh, six babies later, um, my husband, who has this really entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's exhausting for me. But um, he came home one day. I, w- I had a baby. And two weeks after this baby was born, my sixth baby, he says, I've got it. I've got the next idea. And, uh, and you're like, hey, I'm a, I'm a little busy I, over I'm here. Like, what? <laughs> Okay, okay. And he's like, it involves you. I'm like, what? <laughs> he said, we're going to be baby sleep consultants. And there is there's, um, there's such a need out there for this. And, and we can do it online. And we can offer this course online. Yeah. And, and we can have such a wide reach if we do it online as opposed to, you know, classes in our home, which we were doing. So that's how it all started. And um, we made our online course and um, started 
teaching people through that. So, so I mean, what's cool about your um, your method is that it's tried and true through six of your own children. Well, yeah, actually seven now. We've had what? seven, soon to be eight. So, Oh my gosh, yeah. well, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, so. fantastic. So you must not be scared of anything now when I, it comes to sleep. I've, I've, I've experienced most of it. You know, I've experienced the babies that are easy and you're like, you know, what kind of sleep training? I, yeah. We didn't really do anything. And um, as, you know, as far as... Um, as training, you know, no crying or anything like that. Um, and then I've had the kids that have been really, really challenging. So I've been through it all, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well equipped to, to help others in that. <laughs> oh, well, that's fantastic. So I guess my first question is, like, is there such a good thing as a good sleeper right out of the gate or a bad sleeper? Like, are there kids who just never become good sleepers, or do we define them with these terms and mm -hmm. then never... Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that there are, there are sleepers that are, are better Okay. than others or easier um, to train than others. Like I said, you know, I've had kids and, and I've seen I've seen hundreds of moms um, like this that, you know, you put them on a feeding schedule and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But, Absolutely. Um, you put them on a, a routine during the day and then they just kind of slip into it and there's really no training involved at all. Um, and then you have those other kids that are fighters. Um, they might have reflux issues, or um, they might just be really light sleepers, or they have low sleep needs. So you have to really determine what baby you're working with and and figure out what their needs are and, and, and work with them um, and teach them along the way with that. So. Well, and then meanwhile, as the family is growing, as the family is changing, you're not going to handle the second and third baby the way that you might have with the first, because your nights are different, your lives are different, schedules are different. So you're adjusting your own self too and you have to learn what works for you in your house. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, there's definitely some truth to that. And so like with our family now, um <laughs> there's a there has to be an element of flexibility. Okay. Um but the routine gives us so much freedom because I know, okay, baby sleeps now and now and they go to bed now and um and I know when the baby eats and it's, it's so much less chaotic, and we homeschool our kids, so I know I have this chunk of time and this chunk of time that's without a newborn or, you know, that I can really focus on my other kids. And gotcha. so it, it does, um, while it might be a little bit different than it is with your firstborn, the routine adds so much more structure and predictability to the day. Sure. And it's, it's just so wonderful. <laughs> well... Sleep training, as we talked about before, is kind of a dirty word. People yeah. get very mm -hmm. turned off yeah. when they think about sleep training. And I think because people associate sleep training with crying mm -hmm. and trauma mm -hmm. and upsetting for both parent and child. Yeah. Is sleep training those things? I don't think it is, personally. You know, okay, yeah. So I think, well, yeah, it is just, it's, it's a dirty word. And it's really hated by our society at this point because we are so child-centered, I think, as a, as a um, society. And, and I can talk about more of that later, but yeah. um, it's really, it's a way to serve the family. And mm -hmm. it's a way to put the baby in their, in their rightful place in the family Okay. Um, so while there may be crying involved, um, 
that's really not our focus. Our, our main focus in the training is getting on a healthy schedule. And our, our first focus is feedings. And uh, when you have the feedings, everything else kind of falls into place. Now, is there crying when they're learning how to fall asleep on their own? Yes. Um, but it's necessary because a child doesn't know what they need. No, no, they don't. <laughs> they don't. And, and God has given children to parents who have wisdom, who have experience. And, um, and when we flip those roles around, um, we give the child all of this authority over themselves and over the whole family. And then you just have this, these, all these roles that are reversed and you've got a baby who's leading the show and they know nothing. Yeah. And so it ends up not being healthy and not being good for everyone. Yeah. So, well, I mean, happy mom, happy baby. I mean, <laughs> yeah. so you're not going to be a good parent if you are in the trenches and you are not exactly doing things that help you too. I mean, yeah. um, I am by no means an expert, but I knew going into parenting that I wanted to have a good sleeper. I know everybody mm -hmm. says that, but like... <laughs> But I really wanted to, in the sense that that's something I wasn't willing to negotiate on and I wasn't willing to play around with. Mm -hmm. And what I found, especially after my first one, was, um, first of all, like, you teach them to eat, you teach them mm -hmm. to tie their shoes, you, te you teach them to do all this stuff, so why wouldn't you teach them how yeah. to sleep, number yeah. one. And then, um, number two, I sort of feel like, <laughs> um, this is going to sound really bad, but they cry longer and harder and louder the older they get. So I almost yeah. would rather <laughs> sleep train when they're newborns and have no, not newborns, but when they don't know what the heck is going on. Yeah. Because now if I try to sleep train Everett at 11 months, he's like starting to get with it and he's yeah. going to be real mad about it <laughs> if I didn't get him used to this structure earlier on. I mean, is that sort of your philosophy I, too? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and when they get older, they actually start to... Um, you know, say your name, and they're, they're standing up in the crib and saying, Mama, Mama. And of course, so that, much harder. That tugs on your heartstrings so much more. And we're the older that they are, um, the harder it is for us to follow through as parents. Yeah. Um, so we start as, as early as possible, really. Um, what's, what's how as early as possible, well, do you think? Um, some people cringe when I say this, but, you know, we're like first day home from the hospital. Okay. And actually in the hospital, we start on a feeding schedule. And so that doesn't mean that I'm going to teach my two-day-old to sleep through the night. You know, yes. <laughs> this is, I'm going to teach my, my two week old, my one day old, um, how to feed on an appropriate routine, get full feedings. Um, and as soon as I'm ready, which is within the first week, usually I'm going to lay them down and, and let them soothe themselves to sleep. And usually with newborns, it's super easy. You swaddle them up. They're, mm -hmm. they're so tired. They're hard to keep awake anyway. And so we just get them used to that pattern of, I'm laid down, I fall asleep. Sometimes there's a little bit of crying involved, but usually there's not, not a whole lot with a newborn. So, and I'm, I mean, I'm talking first, first week mm -hmm. and it's really, but the focus isn't about sleeping or getting longer stretches of sleep. It's really about getting on a good routine. Mm -hmm. It's about, um, the pattern that we like to talk about is the feed, wake, sleep, um, cycle, the eat, play, sleep. And so when we switch those things around, um, then we have a baby that's, that's used to eating and falling asleep yep. and we don't want to create that, um, that sleep crutch, that, um, uh, that association. 
So that's what we start out with. I mean, as soon as baby's born, just creating this pattern. And of course, for newborns, there's not a whole lot of awake time, um, not a whole lot of play time, and that's okay. But it's just it's just that habit of you 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 go down to sleep. I lay you down, and if you need to fuss a little bit, you need to fuss, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. <laughs> so. Well, I read once that when a baby fusses when they're trying to go to sleep, they're basically doing what you and I would like to do, which is I don't really feel like going to sleep right now. It's not what I really want to be doing. They're sort of like that's the only way they can communicate mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. this isn't really what I want to be doing right now. Yeah. But that's not a a cry of distress or pain or something negative necessarily. Obviously, you have to know your own baby and know their, um, you know, that all of their needs have been met before this happens, obviously. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you want to rule out all those other things first before we lay baby down and let them cry. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure they've got a full feeding, that they've had plenty of awake time, that they don't have a dirty diaper and that they're not sick. And so within this whole process, we just have to use wisdom. And we have to use our our God given parental <laughs> wisdom that um, yeah. and uh, and it's not a mindless process. It's not um, okay. I just have to follow the schedule and do what it says and put my baby down when it says. And um, it's not a mindless process. And I think that's that's where the naysayers kind of come from. Like, oh, you're just um, you know just blindly following this process and mm-hmm. not even knowing what's wrong with your baby. But so often, I actually. Um, I think that, uh, and I, I know that it, it has helped a lot of my other moms, that you actually know what's wrong with your baby sooner because you know what their patterns are. You know, okay, it's, it's normal for them to cry for 30 seconds when I lay them down. Well, when it happens to be, wow, it's been five minutes or it's been 10 minutes or they woke up in the middle of their nap, you know, this is not normal. Something's Something's wrong with my baby here. Mm-hmm. So it can alert you to those things that aren't quite right. And you can know sooner than someone who never lets their baby cry. Yeah. One thing that I did um, with both Abram and Everett that I honestly feel guilty about, but at the same time, I felt like it works, is I did what you're saying in terms of when it was nap time, they laid down in their safe sleeping space. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, my kids never learned to, like, be a mommy huggy sleeper. And a lot of people would say, like, they're only little ones and you're missing out on it. And, I, and every time someone would say that, I would be like, oh, my gosh, I am an awful mother. I don't hold my kids when they sleep. But then here I have these kids who go down to sleep when it's nap time. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's because the association has always been when I am here, I sleep. At this time, we sleep. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I feel like I got a positive result, but there's a lot of guilt that came along with that result. Sure, sure. So I have the perfect solution for that. Okay. <laughs> um, and this is something I don't think other sleep trainers teach. Um, and most people will tell you, like, okay, they need to be laid down, and that's the only way to do it. Yeah. Um, and so many kids get stuck in this. Well, the only place that I can sleep is my crib, and uh, it has to be these certain conditions um, or else... I can't do it. Yes, totally. Um, and then you've got the mom guilt on top of it. Yeah. Which I never got to, you know, do that or snuggle or whatever. So um, I have the, um, I teach the the Anywhere nap. Um, and typically it's the last nap of the day that I say, hey, this is a tougher nap anyway. Um, and it's great to teach your kids to sleep anywhere. Mm-hmm. So this is when you pull out those sleep crutches. When you figure out, okay, how do they sleep? 
Um, how can they sleep with lots of commotion, with lights, with sound? Yes. And this is the time where we can use the pacifier. And um, this is the time where I can wear my baby and I can snuggle. And um, so in our schedules, that's usually like the last nap of the day. Um, so it, depending on the age, it's either the third or the fourth nap. And it's a such such a great time to snuggle. And yeah. I love wearing my babies. I love that. I couldn't give that up. <laughs> and it's a sweet, sweet time. And so it serves two purposes, is that it gives me my snuggle time. And um, and then it teaches them that, okay, this is this is how I go to sleep when we're not in the, the circumstance that I'm in my room, in my crib, in my dark yes. room, or whatever. Um, the other, the other thing is that, you know, if you know that you're going to be in different circumstances, train your baby other places, you know, take your pack and play and put it around your house in different rooms, Okay. you know, light up the room, um, just do different things. Um, open up the door instead of closing the door, um, add some noise and things like that. So, um, so you can teach your child to sleep in all different kinds of circumstances, um, but you can also get your snuggles in too. So That's a really good idea. I really like that one, the anywhere nap. That is a huge mistake that I made with Abram is that I made his bedroom the sanctuary of sleep. It was dark, <laughs> the blackout curtains, the sound machine, the whole bit. And then when I tried to take him to daycare, mm, they okay. talked about how he absolutely, no questions asked, will sleep in the bright, loud you know, right. crazy environment that is daycare. And I realized mm -hmm. that I had made him that way because he was like, this is in my place. Like, yeah. this is in my setup. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I definitely uh, faced the consequences <laughs> of that one. And now even with Everett, I feel like I made him a little bit of a sound machine sleeper. Because okay. he really likes that, like, shh, you know, yep, yep. of the wave sound. And so mm -hmm. now I have to carry around this stupid sound machine with me. Even as, as hard as I tried to make him not be a, Sleep crutch kid. Yeah. I still have one. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> you know, that's on the low end of, of the, the sleep crutch spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, you know, a pacifier that you have to hold in his mouth to keep him asleep. Exactly. But, yeah. you know, it is one of those inconveniences. And so when I'm, when I'm teaching moms, I, I just say, you know what? Do whatever you can reproduce. So if you don't mind traveling and, and carrying your, your um, sound machine, Go ahead and do that. Um, that's fine. If you think you can find a dark place, go ahead and make your nursery dark. But if you think you're going to be in these different circumstances and you're not going to be able to provide that sleep crutch for your child, then it's probably good to get rid of it. When do you recommend that um, a new parent call you? I mean, is this the kind of thing where they try it on their own and call you at, at 12 weeks? Or do you want to talk to them before the baby's even born? What do you recommend? Oh, well, I love, I love talking to pregnant moms. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the best um, because there are so many things that, um, so many influences that can start teaching us and, and forming our minds about this um, topic. I love to get in there and say, you know what? I'm just going to lay it all out for you. This is, this is what to expect. This is what you can do. Some moms aren't ready for that, um, you know, especially in those early newborn stages. Sure. They just want to enjoy um, that time, and uh, and it takes a couple months for them to be ready to to enter that in. So I guess you know, while I love talking to pregnant moms, the best time is whenever you are emotionally ready. For sure, it. because if you're not ready for it, then you feel you feel pressured and not good about the whole mm -hmm. process. And then it's much more painful for you if you're not prepared for it. So if you start, though, at the beginning, your um, kind of training process is 
sleeping eight hours in eight weeks. That's kind of the timetable you guys are comfortable yeah. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's definitely. a pretty great goal. By eight weeks, like you're starting to get the hang of things. Yeah. Some people are having to go back to work, unfortunately. So to have an eight hour sleeper by eight weeks, that would be dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of say, you know, you can track it by weeks. Like a three week old can be sleeping a three hour stretch. Typically they, they can be doing a three hour stretch um, from newborn um, as soon as they're born. But you know, four weeks, you can expect about a four weeks uh, or a four hour stretch and, and so on. And, and um, up until, you know, 10 to 12 weeks, you're, you're getting 10 to 12 hours without, yeah. without a feeding in there. So oh, and that's a beautiful nice. day. It is. That is a beautiful day. <laughs> Do you notice a difference in sleeping habits between breastfed versus formula fed babies? No, not at all. Not at is all. Is that one of those major misconceptions that breastfed babies can't sleep long? Yes. Yes, really. And that's that's not true at all. It is not true at all. Okay. <laughs> and none of my experience most of most of our our students are actually breastfeeding moms. Okay. And they have the same same results um, that as formula, formula fed babies. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so really like there's these two main components I felt like in your method from reading your website. Part of it is mastering those feedings and then um, I, I what was what's the second part? It's the feedings first, and then. Well, then, then you, you're doing the breaking the sleep crutches. Okay. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys offer what you call a sleep guarantee. We do. What's the sleep guarantee all about? Yeah. So um, we will get your baby sleeping if you if you can do what we have told you to do. Um, if you can follow through. Um, follow our program, follow our advice, and um, actually do it, um, and attend the mentor sessions that we offer through our program. Okay. Um, then um, we will guarantee your baby's sleep uh, for within 30 days. So, That's pretty powerful. Yeah. 30 days or I less. Know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the most common like fears that people have when they call you? Oh, boy. Um, common fears, I would say it's not going to work for my baby. Okay. That my baby's different. Um, and everybody has a special baby. They do. Um, (laughs) um, but, um, you know, there is, there is a process that is, is proven and it really does work. And while we might have to make some, some tweaks or adjustments for, um, different children, um, because they're, they're all just a little bit different. Um, we can, we can do that and we can make it work. So, so is this like, um, face-to-face meetings? Is it online? Is it over the phone? Are you like sleeping in my kid's room with them? Like what does the program entail? (laughs) You will not have to sleep in a bedroom with your baby. Okay. Okay. And I won't have to be there at all. So, um, we do everything online. You know, I'm not, I'm not traveling to Jordan or Hong Kong. Um, uh, but, uh, um, so we do everything online. Um, so our program is um, three-tiered. We have a, an online course with, I think, probably over 100 videos now. Wow. So we cover a lot of different things. We cover the core of sleep training. So that's it's not overwhelming, um, that process. But then I have tons of other videos and tons of other um, you know, tips on you know, keeping that schedule and changing schedules because babies transition so quickly. Yes. Um, they're always changing. So, you know, what to do in daycare and what to do um, with other, other um, child care providers and, you know, just all of those other things that come along with um, this process. So we've got our online course that you can access 24 hours a day. 
And then our second tier is the community that we offer. And um, so we have an online Facebook group oh, cool. um, that um, you get access to when you join our program. And we have um, me and some other admins that are answering your questions at all times of the day. Um, so you get a very quick answer to any questions that you do have, any smaller questions. Okay. Um, you know, you need a schedule tweak or, hey, I don't know, or you just need encouragement. And, you know, the admins are really good at answering questions and other moms who have been through it. They offer so much support. Like, I've been there. I know what you're going through. Just keep going. You know? Yes. And it's such a great community. We have a great community of moms. Um, and then the third tier is our, um, uh, our mentor calls. So that's where um, a couple times a week I will get on and, uh, and I'll meet face-to-face with a group, a small group of moms, and we'll go in much deeper to your circumstances and, and what your issues are mm-hmm. and, okay, let's troubleshoot this and um, things that you can't really do <laughs> through a Facebook um, chat and uh, um, so that we can really get your issues worked out. So. so now when you look back to that day when you're holding a newborn and your husband says, we're going to be experts... Um, are you blown away by how far you guys have come? You have yeah. this whole community and how incredible. I know, I know. It's it's pretty amazing to think what we've what we've done and built and um and uh where God has taken us in this whole journey. So how rewarding is it when you get that call that says like he did it. He slept last night. <laughs> I it love was it. nine to nine. Yeah. Twelve hours. <laughs> and we get those all the time. People are always posting in the group, like, we did it, twelve hours of sleep last night. Yeah. Or, you know, some mom is so nervous about starting and they're like, It's not gonna work and then on night number one, baby sleeps through the night. Mm-hmm. It's just such an incredible feeling and I love helping moms like that. So That's awesome. Okay, so I wanna transition into some of our listener questions. <laughs> and I know you've heard them all in some form or another. <laughs> I feel certain of that. But um, just in looking through the list, so many of these questions are transition-based or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, things like teething and, Mm -hmm. you know, when do I wean and stuff like that. So so I think it's interesting to see that we all kind of have the same things in common. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to start with this one. We're going to kind of just go all over the map, if that's all right with you. Um, Abrams actually had this issue as of late. Um, He's three and a half. Um, Night terrors. Do you deal? Um, so when do these typically start in toddlers? Because yeah. I feel like right around that three mm-hmm. age yeah, for right. Abram. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So what? Like what's happening in baby's brain when that's oh, going boy. on? Well, so there there is a difference between nightmares and night terrors. Okay. Um, night terrors um, tend to be uh, much more. Um, traumatic. Okay. And usually the child isn't uh, even aware that they're, they're screaming or, okay. you know, they're, they're not aware of what's going on around them. They're just kind of stuck in this, um, alternate reality. And, um, when you deal with that, um, you want to keep your child safe. Yeah. And sometimes they are out of bed. They're, you know, doing destructive things and you, you can't, you know, try and restrain them because that will make them fight even harder. Okay. Um, that will scare them because they're in this dream. And uh, uh, so the best thing to do is just keep them safe until it passes and then put them back to bed. And most times they don't even remember it happens. Okay. Now, the other one um, is nightmares, 
which they do remember. They have a scary dream. And it's so hard. It's so hard when they turn three and, and they enter into the space because that nightmare will stay with them yes. throughout the day. And you might see, like, I'm, you know, I'm scared. My, my son, when um, one of my sons, when he was three and a half years old, he had this dream. And he's six now, and to this day, he is convinced it was real. And he said, there were scary bears climbing a ladder up to my bedroom window. And for, for oh, probably two months, he would not leave my side. And he wouldn't even go to the bathroom, which was like 10 feet away. Oh, poor um, baby. So it was so it was so sad. It was so very sad. Um, so you do have to deal with those emotional issues. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's a time and a place for, um, you know, helping our children through those things, then, you know, maybe you sit with them, um, as they're falling asleep, if they're scared or, you know, things like that. Um, but oftentimes, um, in the middle of the night, if they wake up, you know, it's just a simple, you know, you're okay, you know, give them a kiss, give them a drink of water, maybe take them potty. And oftentimes they'll settle back down. But if it's a really scary dream, sometimes we even make a bed, um, in our room, you know, they get to sleep on the couch or somewhere, just somewhere different, you know, and that's okay for a time. And then, you know, you can get back to the bed in, in, a, in a... So you don't uh, have to worry time. about, like, starting some bad habits if you respond to right to this every now and then. Right, right, okay. right. Okay. For sure. And there's always... A, there, there might be a time where you have to retrain, you know, a three-year-old to stay in bed. Um, and that's okay. You know, you have to deal with the issues that come, uh, come about. And, okay. Uh, yeah. So a lot of people asked about transitioning to toddler beds. When is there an age that you recommend, or is it more of a child dependent? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Oh boy, there's there are so many opinions on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people say keep them in there till they're four, keep them in the crib till they're four because that's the safest place. Um, I don't go that far. I think when you can confidently say that you you can trust your child to be obedient, and you are ready to implement obedience training in that process because it really is important. I mean, you want them to be safe. You don't want them wandering around the house in the middle of the night. Um, (laughs) I had a friend um, who once said, you know, her two-year-old was up in the middle of the night. Um, She she drug a chair over to the freezer and and opened it up and started eating ice cream in the middle of the night and then left it. And she's two? Holy smokes. And she was two. (laughs) I'm like, okay, okay. So it's time to start training her to stay in her bed. Um, so that really, really is important. And so when, when you're prepared for that, and I usually say it's around, around age two or so, um, but you need to be, be sure that they're able to be obedient and you are able to follow through. So if you're, you know, a couple weeks away from having your second baby, it probably isn't the time to transition. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, so what do you mean by obedience training? Like, what mm-hmm. does that look like? Oh, boy. That's a big topic. That's uh, that's heading into our toddler stuff, um, which we Which also is so do. important it because, is. I mean, that's when they can really throw you for a loop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the, our our second um, step in our in our whole business is our t- our toddler training course, um, and uh, I love I love toddler training. Um, it's such a fun topic, and um, it's it's again something our society is kind of against. Um, we don't like this blind obedience, but you know. Uh, we are the parent. We have experience. We have wisdom, and we need to teach our children to obey. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's it's things as simple as when I call my child's name, I expect them to come. And and what we say obedience is, is immediately, completely, and with a happy heart. So, 
Um, I train my children at a very early age, probably about a year and a half is when they, it can really click. Okay. Um, to come when I call their name the first time. <laughs> so I'm not saying, you know, Peter, 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 um, and yelling their name or, you know, just having them ignore me all the time. Um, you know, I'm also training my kids to um, do what I say the very first time. We call it first time obedience. Um, I, I also work a lot on um, blanket time. So I have a blanket with a couple toys and I teach my kids to stay on the blanket. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and it's a fantastic tool. And I teach my kids to sit in a chair. So um, our kids will sit a couple hours for a church service with no problem at a year old. Mm -hmm. um, so, and it's possible. People don't think it's possible, but if you put the effort in to training that, it, it really is possible. And um, they can do a whole lot more than we think they can. <laughs> it sounds to me like um, that a lot of it is training you, the parent. We're not necessarily training the kid, we're training the parent to follow through, mm -hmm. to mean what they say, mm -hmm. and to have the child recognize that. Would you absolutely, say that's true? Absolutely, kids do at work. They really do. They do what works. And um, so if they know, okay, mom says this, she really doesn't mean it. Or if I whine, I can have whatever I want. I can get a cookie if I want. And uh, so I'll just keep whining until I get my way. And it works. So it's really the, the self-discipline to say, um, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to tolerate whining. And if my child whines, there's going to be a consequence for that. Um, and I'm only going to uh, respond when they ask appropriately for something. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to teach them that. I'm going to teach them how to do that. So kids do it work. <laughs> well, it works. So. so when you talk about consequences, like what kind of discipline are we talking? Oh, boy. Um, that's, a, that's a big question. Yeah. But um, for the little ones, it's, it's a lot of um, what I call isolation or a lot of people call timeout. Um, it's a lot of time away. Um, so if there's, you know, toddlers and temper tantrums, it just happens a lot. Totally. So, um, and you know, you hear like the, the typical two years, two minutes, <laughs> you, uh, pediatricians say it all the time. And I say, that's not enough. Okay. <laughs> that's not enough. Okay. So we need to give our kids meaningful consequences, whether it's loss of privilege or, um, that, uh, a, an extended period of isolation or, um, so, you know, loss of privileges, you can't play with this thing. Or maybe if you've tr treated your friends improperly, you know what, they get to play and you have to sit by mom, um, the whole time we have this play date. And, yeah. uh, and we want to be, we want to give them meaningful things. Um, because if it's not meaningful, they're just going to continue on their path. Um, so it has to be meaningful to them. Okay. So it can, you know, sometimes um, what works for one won't work for the other. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm, for sure. This all, like, it just seems like something that our parents wouldn't have been afraid to do. Our parents yeah. would never have been afraid to lay down the law uh -huh. and, you know, have some real rules. But for some reason, it feels like a lot of people view rules as very traumatic for kids mm -hmm, and very... Mm -hmm. um, <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. And we kind of live in this society of nothing negative. Like the no and anything negative is harmful for our child's well-being. Like it's going to destroy them or something. But you know what? No is a very useful concept. If I don't want my child to cross the street when there are cars zooming by, I'm going to have to tell them no. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have to learn to obey. Um, so this is for their well-being. And, and I'm going to teach my kids while they're young 
while the stakes are low. And uh, <laughs> so not coming when um, I call your name, it might, it might get you some time in isolation. Um, and then we're going to have to do it again. And we're going to have to practice and practice and practice until we get it. Um, <laughs> but you know what? When, when my child is out in the workforce and they're insubordinate to their boss, they're gonna, they might lose their job. Right. Or someday, you know, the law enforcement, if they're disobedient to the law, that could get them incarcerated. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train them while the stakes are low. Sure. Because a child needs to know that every action has a consequence. And a consequence could be good or bad, right? Um, so it's just cause and effect. And I'm going to teach them that all of our actions have consequences. Yeah. I like it. I really do. I, um, uh, one thing that I feel like we were successful on, which maybe we could be more successful in other areas, is that Abram's not allowed out of bed until I go and get him. Perfect. I honestly <laughs> don't know how we did that. Like, I cannot tell you a step-by-step way, but he will be in there and he will holler, it's wake-up time! But until I go in there, he is not allowed to come out of bed. Were you in my course? Really? I, this is what I'm I I'm telling you, I do, not play, I do not play around with sleep. I do not. I might mess up in other areas, but sleep I do not play around with because guess what? It's totally selfish. It's because I need right. sleep and I need the, I need the, the, um, security of knowing that Abram is not up eating ice cream yep. in the middle of the night. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but that's one of those things that I legitimately don't know how we did it. And so now when I think about doing it for Everett, I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll do that other than be like, can you do like your brother did? Cause right. that was great. Um, do, so I only know boys, but do you feel that things have to be structured differently for boys versus girls, like temperament-wise or their response, or what do you think? Oh, boy, boys versus girls. So I've got, I've got four boys and three girls, um, and everyone thinks that there is this, like, oh, you train boys this way, you train girls this way. Girls are super easy and obedient. And Oh, my gosh, um, I always hear the opposite, that the girls are the sassy oh, really? ones and the boys are like, I don't care, let me know what's up. Well, yeah, sass, <laughs> uh, they may be a little sassier. Um, but um, I think it's really a personality thing. Yeah. Um, so boys tend to have a little bit more energy um, or they tend to be a little bit more physical where the girls um, tend to be... Um, like you said, more sassy. They they they're more verbal typically, but that's not always the case. Um, so when it comes to training, it's really an individual thing. It is child by child, and uh, you know what works for one of my daughters and one of my sons doesn't work for my another one of my daughters. Okay. So it's really child by child thing, and it's it's a lot of trial and error because. Um, you know, you'll try one consequence and you think this is really, you know, this is really effective for one of my kids, but you try it on another and you're like, that was nothing that it it didn't seem to affect them at all. So, um, it can be a little frustrating, um, trying to find those things that really affect them. Because a lot of parents will say, I've tried all of the things and there's nothing that bothers him, that there's nothing that bothers her. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you do to the parent who's really tried everything? I've taken away their this. I've taken away their that. Mm-hmm. We've tried the time out. How do you get through to those kids? Yeah, there's always more. <laughs> yeah? There, there is. There is. And, and typically when I hear that, um, you know, I say, well, how long was that gone for? Or how long was your time out? And they'll say, well, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And, you know, 
sometimes I have my older kids, older kids in their room for up to three hours. Okay. Um, so, you know, and that's, it's hard. It is hard. And, and again, because I think we live in this society that is very anti-negative training, um, that we tend to shy away from that. And we think, you know, I, we think we've reached the limit. We think we've done it. Um, and you know what? We need to go a step further. Okay. Um, now, on the other side of that, there, uh, so I don't, I don't want to forget the positive training. Um, and um, Brad likes to talk about training versus discipline a lot. Yeah. And um, so discipline is where we implement consequences. Training is, um, excuse me, where we actually teach our kids what to do. So we think our kids know how to act. We think they should know, um, you know, that you don't get out of bed until mommy, mommy comes and gets you, mm-hmm. or um, this is how we talk to people, or this is how, um, you know, they th- we think that they should know how to share. But it's not true. <laughs> we're, we're born with a certain selfish nature, and we have to teach them how to think of others. We have to teach them how to obey, and that takes a lot of, a lot of reinforcement. And so we'll do things like, one of my favorite things to do is when it turns cold, um, to do drills, to run drills. And, um, it, you know, getting out the door is kind of a chore for my family. I think I would love to be a fly on the wall in your house and watch you run a drill with, oh with seven kids. That's oh, fantastic. It's, fun. it's super fun. So, so winter drills is, it's a fun day and, um, and it's, um, drudgery for my children. Um, but, uh, we practice. So everybody has their shoes and socks off, their coats hung up, and I say, okay, we're going to time it and see how long it takes us to get in the car. So I'll tell each child what to do exactly, and okay, you're you, you know, your older one, you're responsible for getting his coat on and zipping him up, and, and so we might do it three or four times. Yeah. We'll get in the car and see how long it took us, and we make it fun, we make it a, you know, we make it a race, and, and they, they totally get into it. Some of the little ones is, you know... <laughs> about the two to four age range, it's really hard for them. Um, so they don't get into the fun as much. Sure. Um, and those are the ones that I really need to, to discipline in that. Um, but, uh, but they do, they do have some fun in that. And, and so when we train, we make it enjoyable, you know, we make it, um, something that's going to stick in their brains so that they know what to do. They know what my expectations are. And we all know that we can accomplish this task. Yeah. Uh, things like that. So there's a whole, you know, it's not just consequences. We need to be pouring into our children what to do and how to act and, and positively reinforcing that. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a, a, the portion of training that, that parents leave out a lot of times. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think this is all so interesting. And, and and it's weird because, like, in a way, I feel like, and, and if I'm misreading you, just let me know, I feel like some of this stuff makes you nervous to say. Like, people automatically judge it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, it's because we live in this anti, anti-negative world. Like, yeah. you can't you can't do anything. You can't say no. And you can't, you know, that's going to hurt or harm your child. And so, um, and it's, it's not. It's really and do you not. think maybe just among um, mom circles, we're afraid to talk honestly about how we feel about, you know, how we handle our children because of that stigma and that fear? Definitely, definitely. Um, I think that when when we talk about consequences, if you know, if we talk about 
you know, the consequence if we gave our child, we could be really, um, shamed for that. And, um, and you know, it's a, the reason that we do what we do in our house is, is because that's what God has commanded us to do. And, um, so that's where we're coming from. So, um, we take a very biblical, um, perspective on that and approach on that. Um, but, um, it's just wisdom for life. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I like it. I really do. Okay, let's get back to our listener questions. All right. <laughs> um, where do you stand on co-sleeping? Co-sleeping. Um, I'm anti-co-sleeping. Okay. <laughs> um, number one, because it's not safe. Um, and, uh, you know, you just hear those those horror stories about, you know, babies in the bed and um, rolling over them and, you know, suffocating. And it's just, it's just really sad. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, Number one, an unsafe practice. And, you know, the, the co-sleeping advocates will say, no, it's not, no, it's not. But, you know what, I'm not going to take any chances. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even want to go there. Um, and number two, you're creating this association for baby that is, it's unhealthy sleep for both of you. Mm-hmm. Now, um, people make choices. And whatever choice you make, it, it comes with a consequence. So... You know, and then, like I said, consequences are neither good nor bad, right? It, right. It's just cause and effect. And um, so if you are just, you know, determined that this is what's best for our family and this is what makes me comfortable, you know what? You go for that and um, and that will have its, its consequences and its benefits and its negative things for your family. Um, but, you know, it's not the only way. And I think so many people think like, this is, you know, this is what has been preached to me and this is what I need to do and this is what's healthy for my baby even though I'm not getting any sleep. Um, and so I just want to be there to tell people that, you know what, there is another way. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have to look like this. How do you break a co-sleeper if you're ready now to say, okay, you're one and a half, it's time to sleep in your own bed. Oh, is there boy. a way to break that? Oh, hopefully you don't wait that long. Okay. <laughs> but um, it's it's ripping off a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. So a lot of methods out there will say, well, you know, you can do it gradually and, and you can, you know, put them in their bed and stand by them or put your hand on them and slowly work your way out and, and... I really think that it is harder and it takes longer and it's more confusing for everyone involved if you take it that slow approach where things are constantly changing. Okay. If you rip the bandaid off, it might hurt for a second, but then it's done. So we just recommend, we have, we have people come to us that have been co-sleepers for months and months and, um, and they're really nervous to make that transition. Um, but typically when we just jump in and we do it and we just rip that bandaid off, it doesn't take long. Yeah. So one thing that, um, that kind of always made me feel weird was I, so Abram was in our room for, I think maybe a short two weeks. And then, so with Everett, we put him in the crib from day one home from the hospital. And, and I just hated how then everywhere you would read that, the recommendation is six whole months in your room. And, you know, Everett did incredibly well. Abram did incredibly well once we moved him out of our room. And I, and there was this guilt of like, I'm, I'm literally supposed to be doing it this way. And I, 
apparently absolutely refuse. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the, the AAP has lots of recommendations. Yeah. And the new recommendation, like you said, is six months in your room, in their own space. Um, and it's kind of like I was talking about before. It's a choice. Yeah. And, um, and some people come to me and they say, well, you know, this is so important. I know, I know a mom who actually saved her baby. You know, he was not breathing and, um, and there are those circumstances. And, um, so I get, I get that. Um, and it makes some moms much more comfortable to have their baby close to them. Now, when you make that choice, um, you could be uh, trading it for sleep. So oftentimes when baby is close to you, they're going to wake up more frequently. You hear everything. They hear everything. Um, Newborns can actually smell when your milk comes in, and they will wake up more frequently. It's like Oh, no kidding. That makes sense. Yeah, frying bacon next to them. (laughs) (laughs) And they'll wake up, and they'll smell you, and they'll say, hey, I'm ready to eat. Sounds good to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. So a lot of times I'll see that. You know, um, when moms are ready for that, when they make the choice. And sometimes it's just moving them, like, into the, you know, if you have a master bath that's big, just move your pack and plate into the bathroom okay. and close the door, you know. Um, just a little bit of space makes all the difference, so. Do you believe in sleep regressions? Is that a real thing? <laughs> that's funny. Because um, everybody talks about the four-month yes, and the ten-month and the eight-month. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I refuse to call it a sleep regression. Um, I call it um, a developmental stage. And um, a lot of people are into the Wonder Weeks app and yeah, all that. Yeah. Um, and there are, there are specific times in baby's life where they go through these developmental changes. And four months is a big one. Um, now... With a sleep-trained baby, if you start early on, when they hit the four-month mark, most of my babies that I see, um, not only mine but my students, um, they will go through a, a, a change with naps, but nighttime remains unaffected. Okay. Um, typically. Um, a f- there, are, there are a few that don't. But um, typically, they might have a little bit harder time going to sleep during naps just because they've woken up to the world. You know, they're so much more aware of what's going on and... Um, they get FOMO. They want to hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They just come out of this newborn sleepiness stage and they're like, wait a minute. You know, I would prefer to be, I would prefer to be with you. I prefer to be playing and they don't want to go to sleep. So you'll see that they'll have a harder time with naps and you might go through a week or two of, of this retraining. Um, but I, so I, I like to refer to them as developmental changes. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. So it's like they exist, but all you have to do is go back to your core mm-hmm. principles mm-hmm. of this is how we sleep and just work through it that way. Yeah, definitely. You don't have to change anything to respond not to really, those. Not really. Not okay. really. It might be a time to adjust awake time or, you know, shorten a nap or somewhere, you know, schedule change here and there. But um, typically you just kind of just go right on through. What about when babies have just learned to roll or just learned to stand and they're like trying out a new skill and that seems to be upsetting their sleep? Yeah. Same concept? Yep. That's a new developmental stage. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, when they're rolling over, parents are tempted to um, go back in and like, oh, they rolled over. I got to roll them back over. You know, they hate being on their tummy and so I got to roll them back over. And and it's funny, if we just let them go, they will actually decide like, oh, you know, I really didn't like that. I think I'll stay on my back. And, or they'll decide, hey, I'm a tummy sleeper now. Um, 
And once they can roll on their own, um, tummy sleeping is typically safe. You okay. Know? Um, so it's not something to be fearful of. If they're strong enough to roll, they're they're fine um, to be there. Most pediatricians will tell you that. So <laughs> when um, should people look to stop night feedings? I mean, we talked about the the twelve hours, but a lot of um, the questions centered around um, we still need that one that 3 a.m. one that still kind of pops up when I don't know when is it safe to move on from that oh boy well I think that you can be done with those typically around eight weeks old okay um and uh you know people people think that baby's hungry but if we're focusing on full feedings throughout the day then baby's getting all the calories they need to sustain them throughout the night and um and when we see those 3 a.m. feedings pop up again and again and again, typically it's just a habit feeding. And habit and hunger, they really go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, about um, 9.30 every night, I'm like, you know what? I just ate dinner at 6.30, but yeah, you know that's what? I'm I can have right a now. snack, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hungry, but this is what my body's used to. I, I like a snack before bed. You know, things like that. Um, so it's just this habit that we have to push on through and it's not really that baby's hungry. Um, even if they take a full feeding, if we work on cutting that out, um, if we do have that habit, they'll make it up throughout the day and take a little bit bigger feedings throughout the day. Okay. Okay. So I have a question from Courtney. She says a three and a half year old who generally sleeps great and was sleep trained really well from the get go, all of a sudden getting up several times for various reasons, potty, snuggle, watch a movie, tuck back in. What do we do there? Oh boy. That, that really goes back to discipline. Um, so a three year old has, shouldn't have any issues sleeping and it really isn't a sleeping issue. It's, it's a, it's a discipline issue. So um, what I, what I talk to parents about are choices. How many choices does your child have throughout the day? And choices are really actually a huge thing to offer our toddlers right now. That's kind of a parenting style that is promoted right now. And uh, we think choices are good for our kids. Um, however, when we offer all these choices and everything is a choice, sleep is a choice too. I see. Staying in bed is a choice. And, um, and that actually giving a child so many choices throughout the day, um, creates a lot of stress and anxiety for a child because they never know, you know, they just, they always have to make a decision. And, um, so I say, cut out the choices, start giving your child a little bit more structure, a little bit more routine throughout the day, and then implement those rules. And, and, and you have to be ready to enforce them. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I think this probably applies to um, a lot of kids. Um, my three-month-old, this is from Heather, my three-month-old, one-month adjusted preemie was recently waking up for her 12 a.m. feed and then refuses to go back to sleep afterwards. So night waking, that doesn't result in them going right back to bed. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's a lot to that you'd have to um, troubleshoot throughout your daytime okay. routine. But... Um, you know, typically when we see those babies that want to be up all night long, they're not getting the appropriate amount of wake time throughout the day. Okay. And so, um, 
uh, we don't want, uh, some people say, well, keep them up all day and they'll sleep all night. Well, we don't want to do that with a newborn. Right. We want to give them consistent chunks that they can handle throughout the day. And it might mean that through a three-hour cycle, a feeding cycle from the beginning of one feeding to the beginning of the next feeding, um, you know, a one-month-old, we'll call this baby one-month-old, um, should need about an hour and if you need to extend that, just extend it by five minutes per cycle. And just extending that by five minutes will help so much because okay. this baby has a little bit more energy. So they need to expend that energy in some way. And it's just coming out at, at midnight. Interesting. Okay, cool. Um, what about um, um, teething? Where does teething fall in um, uh the developmental changes and yeah. how do you, how do you work through well, those? Well, teething is kind of one of those catch-alls, um, that, <laughs> uh, I see that we just blame things on, yeah, we just say, yeah. oh, that's teething. It's teething. Uh-huh. You know, they haven't slept for six months, it's teething. Um, <laughs> but, um, the, the pain of actual teething usually only lasts about a week or so, um, maybe, maybe two. When you get to molars, it's a little bit different. They do last a little bit longer. But um, uh, typically, with a baby who knows how to put themselves to sleep and knows how to bridge sleep cycles through the naps, um, you might see a little disruption with naps for a few days. Um, And so, you know, if we're just entering in, if we haven't haven't done that training, then it's easy to just blame it on teething all yeah, the time. Yeah. <laughs> and not know when to start sleep training because, well, I think they're teething and they've been teething for the last six months. Um, but, you know, at some point you just have to say, you know what? They're going to be fine. Yeah. It's, we're going we're gonna to jump in. We're going to do the sleep training. And then, like I said before, you know, it's really easy to see when you have those, um, those things pop up. Like, boy, they, they, ha- they only took a 45-minute nap and they're crying. Um, Oh yeah, there was a tooth there, you know, okay. then you can really tell when something's wrong. Um, so yeah, <laughs> let's go back to toddlers. Cause I have a question for you of my own, yeah. um, potty train during the day at night wakes up in the morning with a super full diaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you know when you need to start working with them on being dry in the morning or yeah. moving away from the night diaper? Mm-hmm. We are in a night diaper. Trash. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that ranges really from child to child. And, and the factor in that is really how heavy of a sleeper they are. Okay. And um, if, they're, if they're a super heavy sleeper, it, it can be really challenging for them to wake up to that feeling of, I have to go. So um, I personally... I just wait until they are they are waking up dry for about a week. Okay. And um, once their their diapers are dry for about a week, and it could range. It could be two and a half. It could be almost four. Okay. Because um, I mean, his diapers are like full, like yeah. heavy, like a football in the morning yeah. time. Like they're big and loaded and full. Oh, and it's not because he's pumping water at night. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, it's like sure. mm-hmm. so because I have this don't don't get up until mm-hmm. mama comes. Mm-hmm. So it's not mm-hmm. like I want him getting up in the night to go potty, but I right. also feel like, you know, he's three and a half and I've done nothing to move towards. Sure. Sure. Getting out of this. Yeah. So, thing. so you can, you can assess like, okay, is he, is he ready for that freedom to get out of bed if he does have to go? Yeah. I feel like, no. <laughs> well, you know, 
<laughs> and you can you can work on that. Yeah. You know, you can you can you can test him. You can maybe give him that freedom, um, and see what he does with it. And 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 teach tell him. You know, okay, if you have to go, this is exactly what you do. You don't touch your books. You don't touch your toys. And you get right back in bed. Okay, let's let's. Yeah. And you practice in a time of non-conflict. So you're going to practice maybe at seven o'clock. You know, um, before bedtime. So not you're not going to just give him this freedom. And then expect him to use it appropriately. You're gonna you're gonna teach him. You're gonna in a, in that time of non-conflict. You're gonna um, practice it. And then when he does it, you're gonna be like, "Yeah, you did it. That yeah. was such a good job." And then he's gonna understand. Okay, this is what I do. And then, um, uh, yeah. So you don't want to enter into that phase of taking away the diapers if you don't first teach him how to use those freedoms and give him the ability to go to the bathroom if he yeah. needs to go to the bathroom. Okay. So. Yeah. Cause I think, cause during the daytime, you know, he'll tell us when he has to go. And so we help him and he kind of mm-hmm. just started being like, I'll go myself and yeah. being able to pull his own pants down yep. and that yep. sort of a thing. So maybe that door is opening to yeah. that independence. Yeah. Okay. So, so practice, you know, make sure you're practicing that skill of yeah. going by yourself and, you know, doing it cleanly and yeah. you know, washing your hands and all that stuff that goes along with going potty. Um, and then, then you have to work on the obedience issue of the privilege of getting out of bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, man, because I wondered even when he was putting on his shoes this morning, because he's been wanting to put on his own shoes, I wondered how many skills he could do if I let him as opposed to just automatically walking him through it, because mm-hmm. I've been doing it for three mm-hmm. years now, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Do you find that's a common problem people have? It is, it is. Now, I have the the um, blessing of having lots of kids, so it's like the older <laughs> ones, I'm, I'm sorry, you just have yeah. to do it on your own. Um, I can't do it for you anymore because I've got babies. Um so that has been a good thing for me, but um, a lot of people don't have that, you know, those uh, multiple little ones pushing up the bigger ones. Um, so yes, that when we teach our children skills, they are competent and that competence is going to give them so much more um, uh, um, confidence to, to, to live and, and they're going to feel so much better about themselves because they can do all these things. Yeah. So if, if they can do it, if they have the ability to do it, we need to be teaching our kids to do these things. Yeah. And I feel like there's, um, there's, um, a building of that trust too, where, where they're going, okay, she believes that I can do this. I can do this. And it's like a bonding experience for the two of you almost. Oh, absolutely. And when you, when you praise your child for that, like I have my one-year-old, switch laundry. He's 16 months old and he, he loves it. He loves it. He puts laundry in the washer and then he'll, you know, and he'll also switch laundry and he just, he thinks that's the greatest thing. And I'm like, yeah, you did. That was such a good job. And, and, um, so he loves, he loves helping. And, and those chores, if you start that way, chores really aren't chores, you know, it's, we're just helping the family and it's so good for everybody in the family. So I love that. I really like um, your concepts. I really like your your style of parenting. I think I could be a little more hardcore, even though I think I'm pretty hardcore. <laughs> Sounds like I could be more hardcore. Um, where can people find you if they want to learn more about your programs? Yeah, so if you go to mybabycansleep.com, um, you can uh, access all of our, we have 
several courses, and um, you can find out about that. If you need baby sleep and you're like, I got I to gotta do that now, um, you can go to mybabycansleep.com slash go, and, um, and you can get involved in our course. So It sounds like an excellent thing to put on your registry if you're yes, expecting a baby. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> sleep training class. Mm-hmm. Greta, thank you so much for being here. Thank you um, for sharing all of your wisdom, and congratulations on thank baby you. number eight. That's fantastic. <laughs> thank you. Um, this has been really, really eye-opening in a lot of different ways, and so I think um, I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot from this episode. So Wonderful. thank you so much for being thank here. You. Thank you for having me. All right, now you have all your answers. Greta Zood from My Baby Can Sleep has solved all of your sleep problems. I really think that the biggest takeaway is you're in charge. You know, like you're in charge. Mm-hmm. If you want your child to be more disciplined, you have to show them how. And so, so yeah, maybe a little controversial, but I so respect her advice and, um, and I just think it's, it just goes back to just trusting yourself and operating your household with you in charge and not your kid in charge. So bam, go home, crack the whip. (laughs) Okay. Meanwhile, we want to get to some bachelor and I think that our boy Peter might need to do a little, um, cracking the whip with Miss Hannah. Okay. Should we, st- I mean, where do, where do we even start with last night's episode? Brand new episode. This episode of, or this season of The Bachelor, rather, features our friend, Peter the Pilot. Oh, he was famously dumped. Third famously place. dumped. Yeah. That's not, that's I mean, Yeah, bad. it's not great. It's yeah. not ideal. But he's, he's come out on top. Yeah. Like, we knew, I knew Peter was going to make it. Yeah. You know? I mean, he was going to be fine. I mean, he's employed. That's more than you can say about a lot of these contestants. Ugh. He hasn't left said employment for influencer status. So right. huge plus for him. Yeah. So he made it to third place despite uh-huh. the um, the windmill events right, the of wind- the overnight date. saga. They made a huge deal about how he and Hannah got together in the windmill. I'm not sure how I'm supposed to talk about this on a podcast. Yeah, but- I'm going to let you take the lead there. <laughs> but also, can we note the uncomfortable nods to the windmill in this episode? So gross. I mean, when you really break down what it is that we're talking about here... Like, it's gross. Right. <laughs> it's not okay. I know. And, like, Are we both, like, super prudy right now? I don't know. Maybe I just Honestly, little. like, I just feel like before I saw this, I felt bad for Hannah because they kept bringing it up. Yeah. Um, as, you know, kind of poking fun at something that's intimate and whatever. But, I mean, they did. They're on a national television mm-hmm. show. Everything like that is shared. People right. People eat that up. So, I don't know. But it, it was just like, we don't. He's moving on. He's yeah. going. Like, let's forget the windmill. Let's let's do something else. I honestly go back and forth about whether he's cute or not. Do you oh, think he's, do you think he's I think he's adorable. Okay. See, I think he's a little too little brothery for me. He is. And that may be because I'm a 35-year-old mother of two. Um, but something about his face is a little boyish for me. He's not like, like from the previous season, Tyler. You know, he's mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. like a, this He's not chiseled face. Right, but he's just like a... Good old boy, <laughs> cutie little guy. I, I just, I can't get enough of Peter. Okay. So I'm, I'm, yeah. Well, we know where I'm you sold. stand. Yeah. Overall, yeah, yeah. what did you think of his girls? Because there were, what, 30 of them? 30 girls. What, he got rid of three right away? Was that it? I, I only counted oh. three. Can I really be honest with you? Yeah. I hate the first episode. 
I hate first episodes of this program. Well, let's get really honest. I didn't even watch the first hour <laughs> because I don't like the awkward meetings. You never remember anybody. No, I have no it's just, idea. It doesn't matter. You can pick up. You're not going to know the girls' names until like episode five anyway. Mm -hmm. So whatever. Let it. Let them skim it out. But okay. um, did anybody stand out to you? I, like as, as a contender, as a mean girl, as somebody we're going to kind of be annoyed with? Have they created that character yet for you? See, I don't watch close enough because I'm so annoyed by the first episode and I can't keep track of all of their names. Right. I do think that, um, obviously like anyone who gets the first impression rose always stands out. So that's mm -hmm. little Miss Hannah Ann. Hannah Ann. Hannah Ann. Um, and then they also made her be like the, ooh, can I steal you for a minute? I hate that. I know. So we need annoying. a new story plot. That's what I was thinking. I people right taking along. people's time. Like, well, we know. Like, and the girls who are like, she took my time. Can you believe it? Yeah. You know? like, I, I don't. There was thing. that one really snarky moment where um, she and uh, he and Hannah Ann were talking and the three girls were like, what are they laughing about? Maybe she's funny. Do you think she's even funny? She's probably not even funny. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And then they started making out and they were like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Yeah. Whatever. She, yeah, I, I was going to say I wrote down Hannah. I took notes. Um, okay. I'm but proud of you. I wrote down Hannah Ann's name. Yeah. She is, I feel like the, they're trying to make her some role in here. I think she's gorgeous. Oh, she's totally. super pretty. Um, His girls all have like a Hannah Brown look, oh, don't you think? Okay, so Hannah Ann reminds me of Kaylin. <gasps> totally they agree. They look the yes. same. And then yes, there's one 100%. that looks like, um, what's her name? The drama one with the long blonde hair, Demi. There's one that looks like oh, Demi, too. Okay. I swear, it was like, whoa, this is weird. Yeah. But yeah, she reminds me, she looks like a Kaylin Hannah mix. Get close mix. to your mic there, girl. Okay, she reminds me of a Kaylin Hannah mix. Um, I wrote Kelsey W. I think she went home. Is she the Iowa girl? Yes! No, I no, just no she stays. To, she I stays, right? Oh, okay. I think she stays. I don't remember. But I wanted to give her a shout out because she's from Iowa. Kelsey W. What? what? Yeah. Um, 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 I wrote down Kelly F. She's the one that, like, they've met before. Oh, And she yes. wins the challenge. Yes. Okay, I think Peter is so, so, so into her. But I just okay. don't see them together. And okay. granted, it is the first episode. Like, yeah. you don't know her a ton. But I think it's kind of... I got that feeling from Tyler last year with Hannah. Okay. Like, I felt Hannah was so, so into him, but, like, they just didn't match up for me, right? Well, because there is, um, I feel like, a large amount of dwelling on, this is where we first saw each other in this hotel, and it's, mm -hmm. all right, like, got it. Right. You know, like, I feel like they're going to dwell on that moment for too long because they don't actually have any moment beyond that. Yeah, you know it'll I'm be saying? like the special beginning and the sparks. And but it will then never like, take off. Mm -hmm, which, could we have heard one more aviation pun? Okay, you know me. I love puns. Ugh. Denise cuts Ugh. a lot of my puns out of all my scripts. A lot? All. Okay. I erase them all. I feel like I've gotten at least one through, but yeah. Yeah, because I, I like feel puns. bad. Yeah, thanks, Denise. It's a pity, a pity pun. pun. I leave a pity pun. If you ever hear a pun in my stories, it's because Denise had a pity pun for me that day. <laughs> okay, who else you got on your, your hit list there? Um, As in, like... So, okay, let's talk about the, the group date where um, Kelly F. wins, right? But she cheated. She, like, drove through whatever. Okay, okay. And then the Cheyenne chick is, like, so upset by yes. it. And is crying. Cheyenne, whatever. 
I don't feel bad for her. It's The Bachelor. Like I was cleaning that kitchen. Oh, okay. Scene. I didn't she care. like cheats on this obstacle course. I tuned out when that one girl was having that Annalise moment, and she was like, "When I was oh, a child, the, the flashback of the tilt a whirl or whatever." And I went on the teacups. Oh, first that was of hilarious! All, if you haven't barfed on the teacups, like, were you ever a child of the '90s? No, yeah. you weren't. In her defense, though, she did throw up. <laughs> like you could hear it. They left her mic on, which was kind of savage of oh them. Oh my god! Well, honestly, like, how do you not barf when you're in that crazy thing? I feel like that was meant to be. And by the way, Vanessa barfed on her first date with Nick, and he. <gasps> And he ended and up he choosing did. her. Remember? Yes. And he like made out with her post bar. <laughs> oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. Did you see Nick Vile on Instagram yesterday posted like, good luck, Peter. Hope that you find the one that you love. Then you don't have to crop her out of all the pictures. And it's a picture of him with Vanessa cropped no. out of the photo. <laughs> oh my God. But they, she threw up and then they made out. Yeah. I remember. Oh. Because it was like, oh, like you must, I mean, you really must like someone. You're not going to pity yeah. kiss someone after, yeah. a, after a puke That was a dead episode. giveaway he was going to pick, or yeah. that date, I feel like. Yeah, really. they really had like some sparks flying. Yeah. So let's get to that first one-on-one date. That's with Madison, uh-huh. and he takes her to like the parents' wedding vow renewal. Right. Thoughts? Um, I don't know. I think she's, I think... That I think she was a, a good, so, that was a good, solid person to take on that date. That orange dress she was wearing, I mean, she was a knockout. I mean, yeah. unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Like, and that was the thing I didn't really understand. Because when they typically go on a one-on-one date, they're more casual. So I was like, ooh, where is she going? Yeah. It kind of like sparked my interest because she just looked amazing. I just remember how awkward it was that they made her walk in like she was like the bride in that second. You know what I mean? Did like she? Pe- well, because Peter oh. was there waiting with all the rest of the girls and then she appears and he's like, ah, like, and everyone's going, ah, like, I don't know. It was just very, very awkward. Like I, I would have felt really stupid walking in and being like, okay, I'm wearing here in my dress. Like, yeah. Like Peter. here I am. Here we go. Peter. Look at me. <laughs> Stop. Are you hating on Peter? I am not hating on Peter. Okay. I might hear in a little bit, but not right now. Okay. No, I thought, I, I don't know, nothing really stood out to me on the one-on-one. I think she's, I like her. I think yeah. she's super chill, and I read her bio. I guess she's, like, really good at basketball. Oh, cool. And was, like, a basketball star. Yeah. Um, she kind of reminds me of Raven a little bit. Okay, I could see that. I don't know. I think I think he obviously knew that that was going to be the date involving his parents, so I think he chose wisely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was not a coincidence that she was the one chosen for the parents' date. You know kind what I mean? Kind of a down-to-earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think I think she goes far just based on that. And then I thought they had like n- they seem to have nice chemistry at the at the the, the, the oh my gosh, I, I do have one note yeah. about that. So it was just them at the, the so afterwards they went on this little music thing they always do it on the Bachelor. Yeah. So they were like dancing pretty close, like kind of I don't want to say bumping and grinding, but you know they were they were getting it a little bit. And then his family walks in and they're like, whoa. Like, yes. They, like, break yes. off of, like, what they were doing for a second. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that was probably so awkward. Um, but they got it back together in the end. But that was funny. I mean, I thought they had chemistry, but I don't think it was, like, off the charts. No. Like, more noticeable than any other person with any other contestant right. at any time. It was just fine for it me. It was fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, yeah, I think he chose her for a reason, but it wasn't like, whoa. Like, right. They're really impressing me at this moment. I in totally fact, agree. there was this one part where she tried to lean into him, but that dum-dum had the rose 
rose in his mouth. Mm. And so she like kind of leaned in and he's like dancing like a doofus with the rose in his mouth. Was and it, it during kind of that, like, the dancing? <laughs> it was after the parents came. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice so, that. Like, she, Cringy. Like, I felt like she like leaned in and then was like, oh crap. Like, <laughs> oh, Did they kiss? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, they kissed a bunch. He's yeah. He's been he's, he's a been kisser. Doing a lot of doing a lot of. He smooching. goes for it. Okay. We gotta right. do it. We gotta talk about Hannah. Hannah. Okay. That's my biggest takeaway. That's what I'm gonna yeah. take from this episode. And I think that's what they want us to take away from this episode. Let's be real. I mean, because yeah. normally they end the the show with the rose ceremony. They don't right. usually show us that first date, right? Yeah, I Maybe felt not. like they did the rose ceremony super quick. Yeah, they were like, let's just get this over with. Okay, yeah. so Hannah returns for to give him his wings back at the beginning in the limo entrances. Which I get that. I think that that sure. is fine. Okay, go. Yeah. Do your thing. Then she shows up to lead this date. And with the windmill thing. So awkward. Then what I think is interesting is that, like, sh- when, when they see each other again, She's already crying. Mm-hmm. Like, she's already very upset. And you hear the producer say, like, are you doing okay? Yeah. And she can't, she, she can't hold it together. Well, it's interesting to me because she's already upset. It's not like they plunked them in the room together and said, like, talk, and mm. then she got upset. Like, she was already upset going into that, almost like they had no plans for them to necessarily speak again. They just wanted to do this windmill moment. I didn't think about that. You know what I mean? Like, they just wanted her to introduce the date, say her little windmill story, and then go back to the set of Dancing with the Stars. Because it's worth noting that she's, at the time the show is filming, she's also competing on Dancing with the Stars. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think they were just going to send her on back to the She was already booked. She was already doing her thing. Yeah. And then, so I think she's upset, and they're probably like, let's bring Peter in now. You yeah. know? Okay, so... I didn't think about that, but that's so true. So, um, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, this is the conversation we should have heard on the After the Final Rose. Yeah. Right? That was my total takeaway during it was, I think I posted my Instagram story, why didn't you have this conversation earlier? Yes. Like, this is not the time, this is not the place, but now that you had it... You have to continue this. Mm-hmm. He cannot go, knowing that Hannah's so upset, knowing that he is, you know, you can tell he has feelings for her still, too. Totally. He, she can't just disappear and he goes and dates these other women because in the back of our minds, the entire season will be wondering, well, what if he still likes Hannah? Mm-hmm. What if there's something still there? Yeah. So and my, there clearly is something still there. Yes. Okay. Now, I think Hannah B is probably one of the most beautiful people that I've not seen in real life. Like... I find her to be so stunning. And I think she's so beautiful because she's clearly like is who she is Mm -hmm. and she's not particularly done up or, you know what I mean? Like I feel like she just is naturally beautiful. Gorgeous. Okay. So I find her stunning and I really, really enjoyed her last season and I really hated what happened with her and Jed. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of... I was kind of not so much rooting for her and Tyler because I kind of thought that was a big bunch of baloney. Like, yeah. like, oh, would you like to go on a date with me? And then, like, then she spends the night at his place or he spends the night at hers and now he's dating Gigi Hadid. And I just thought that whole thing was a disaster, mm-hmm. you know? I think they were trying to give her a moment of redemption, but it just didn't work. It totally fell flat, yeah. you know? So I have a real problem, and I think Peter does too. I have a real problem with the fact that now she's like, oh, well, Peter, boy, sure have been thinking about you. Okay. I have an issue. When Peter 
because he did. He called her out for that. Why did you yeah. go on a date with Tyler? Why didn't you ask me? But I understand Hannah's response. I could totally see that normally. She said, well, Tyler was reaching out to her. And so okay. she did Good it. Point. You know, you break somebody's heart and, like, publicly all this stuff. Maybe he's not ready. Like, she's respecting him, giving him his space. Who is she to come jump in again when something doesn't work out? I, I think that her explanation to that makes complete sense, and okay. I respect her for that. All right. Do we have any sense of why she let him go after the overnight dates? We still don't no, have an answer on because, that. Because, like you said, like they built this windmill thing up so much, and this was so great. And, you know, we... I don't know. I have no idea. At the time, I sort of thought that she knew it wasn't going to be Tyler, so it'd be easier in the final two mm. to get rid of him as opposed to be facing Peter and Jed in the final two. It's almost like she knew it was going to be Tyler, and I think Tyler knew it was, was not going to be Tyler, so therefore there wouldn't be this, like... I think she thought it would have been easier for Peter to be let go at that second instead of potentially in a final two zone. So that basically you're saying the decision to whittle it down to two was actually harder than to whittle it down to one. Correct. Correct. I just think that goes against like the show and her heart. Like if she was struggling like that, I don't know. I would have eliminated the easy one. See, I feel like she almost like had more respect for Peter and didn't mm, okay. want him to get that close. Mm-hmm. You know? Because then he would have met her family, right? That's mm-hmm. what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't mm. think she wanted him to get that close. I think she knew, though, that it wouldn't bother her if Tyler did, because I think they had an understanding that, like, this yeah. is probably not going to be. Well, what was interesting to me is that I don't know, I guess, why, I don't have answers why she didn't pick Peter, but I did, she did say and open up a little about why she picked Jed. She was like, he was the easy, comfortable choice, you know, but she said that to Peter. Which I totally still don't understand that either because yeah. I don't even know what made him so easy and I was comfortable. never comfortable with them together. Uh-uh. Like, outsider yeah. looking in. I, I never got, like, a comfortable, but... yeah. Like, and that was the type of guy she used to go for? Was that what she was saying? Like, that's her norm, like, yeah. easy, comfortable, like, I don't know. Yeah, so I feel, I feel bad. I also sort of feel like, okay, so how old is Hannah? 24? Mm, yeah. This is what you're supposed to be doing at 24? You're supposed to be, like, dating the wrong guy and then, right. like, not dating the wrong guy and then, like, you know, showing up on the dude's reality show and, like, you know what I mean? Completely so, normal. So I feel like her confusion over which attractive man to date is a com- is just completely age-driven and that through the eyes of a 35-year-old, it's very easy to be, like, well, obviously Jed was a mess, you right. know? It's easier to look at yeah. it than... Yeah. Yeah, but then is it a fail on the show's part to make Peter the Bachelor when there's this mucky water? I... Because yeah, now, what, I mean, they have they, to bring Hannah back know in now. going in? They have to bring they Hannah. They can't, though, because she's on Dancing with the Stars at this second. But I feel like how can she not come back in now that they've introduced uh, all of these feelings and confirmed them and then have Peter go date these other girls? I feel bad for the other girls. Okay, but then um, from the Hannah side, what, are you just going to join this house full of nobodies when you already have this this major windmill connection with this person and you're just going to, like, compete alongside these other ninnies? Like, I don't... Right. I, you know what I mean? I, I feel like that doesn't do any justice to the connection that they currently have. Like, she's not just some contestant. Right. 
And you that's know? why I think I feel that maybe it's a, a fail on the show's part. Huh. Like, there's no good... What do or, you do? is it not a fail at all because they're about to have an explosive season? I don't know. A fail I, on reality TV is always a win. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. Unless it's Juan Pablo from The Bachelor. That was just a fail all around. That was, was bad. Yeah, I, I tuned mean, out. I didn't watch. TV. It was pretty good TV. I didn't watch. But was, what can they do from here? Like, I really, I, don't know. I think I don't she know. has to be on. That's my prediction. I just don't see how that can happen. Like, I just don't see how that can happen. Okay, let's go to that, um, that preview. Hannah, or not Hannah, Peter's mom says, don't let her go. Bring her back home. Wait, I don't know if I've seen this. Tell okay, me about it. Was at it. The beginning, it was at the beginning of the episode. They sort of started the episode on a flash forward. Okay? okay. And Peter is standing on a mountaintop, and Chris Harrison's like, hey, I just heard something. This changes everything. And Peter's like, I don't know, I don't know. And then you cut to his, his mom, and his mom is like, don't let her go. Bring her back home to us. Bring her home to us. So this is a preview for the season, not next episode. Correct. Oh. <gasps> But they never start the season this way. Well, okay, so first of all, I'm thinking, all right, well, we just saw Madison go home. home. Okay. Um, Or do they mean back home as in we are in Antarctica for the final rose ceremony, so bring her, whoever she's in the final, bring her back home to us, you know? Yeah. I know. It's weird. Their, their tea is I'm falling it's in just the trap. Amazing. I'm falling in the bachelor trap. It's such a trap. You can't get out. You're in it. Um, do we need to reveal that we know some spoilers? Wait, but I don't. Should we be clear? I don't. Well, this time. okay, so. Yet. Well, reality Steve doesn't know them either. Yeah. He knows some, he doesn't know all. This will always be a spoiler, spoiler free environment. Okay. Okay. Are we making. That's a ground rule here? Mm-hmm. That's a ground okay. rule here. Yeah, I haven't decided if I'm reading the spoilers yet because I genuinely like there's Peter. There's literally nothing to read. Oh, like <laughs> not even episode by episode? Yeah, there's thing? episode by episode, but I never care about those because okay. like I'll watch those as but, they come. And the, I don't know who Susie is anyway. The you King know? spoiler doesn't even know the season. That's right. Wow. Because Peter came on um, People Magazine last week and said um, this will be the first spoiler-free season. Mm. And then Chris How do they Harrison, know that? Like, I have so many questions. Chris Harrison says um, it, there's a chance that the season is not over. What does that mean? What does that How mean? do they do I it? Know. We're in I know. Trap. I'm in the trap. This show is so good. Uh, I love when people are like, that show's trash. I'm like, yeah, it is. I, know. I love it. 100%. <laughs> I agree with you. But it's, it's my guilty pleasure. I'm not even guilty. It's, no, it's there's my pleasure. nothing to feel guilty about. No. no. Except that it was three hours of my life yesterday. I know. And I was watching it on and off this morning because, um, uh, like, the kids were home for a little bit and Abram was playing. So I'm like, mm, I'll just sneak this on. And then the minute he hears the TV come on, he comes bursting into the room and he points at the TV and he goes, Uncle John! Okay. <laughs> he thinks that Pilot Pete is Uncle John. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I love you. Ask him, like, what is he doing? Like, He's something. <laughs> <laughs> He's just doing something. Wow. But he's used to seeing the ones he loves on TV, yeah. so that's probably just, like, very normal for April. He usually thinks that any adult man is Uncle John. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That makes a little more sense. Yeah. And he usually yells it pretty loud, which is hilarious. That's awesome. Who is Uncle John? My brother. Is your brother? Yeah, oh, okay. my brother. Okay. He my has, brother like, that cute little baby who just got yes, the pajamas. Yes, little Levi. Mm-hmm, yeah. The milk and cookies pajamas. They're cute. Yeah, Levi, my little nephew, is six months old, and his dad is my brother. 
and you can follow him on Instagram Do it. at John Doing Things three six five. And um, his Instagram feed is hilarious because it's literally just like these doofy pictures of him doing things. And that's why it was so funny that Abram goes, <laughs> you go, what is he, Uncle John doing? He goes, I don't know, things or like something. And then you're like. 365. Yeah. Like he knew his Twitter handle. All right. I don't even like my brother that much. So I should uh, give him the shout out. Yes, you do. <laughs> Follow him on Instagram. <laughs> we can repeat his Twitter handle or whatever you need. John doing things 365. Go. Yeah. Okay. Um, everybody. Should we let us know, give us some feedback if we should talk Bachelor every week or just on big episodes or um, what you want to hear, okay? Don't be mad at me about the sleep expert. She had some really good points, and um, don't forget, you're in charge. Yeah, love it. Bye. Thanks for listening to On a Mother Level from the Tribune Audio Network. Tribune Audio Network.